0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Access Church! I know this is for the ladies, but I am so excited about the Known Conference. Ladies in the room, are you excited? It's going to be amazing. Well, if you don't know me, I am Ida Mundell. I have the great joy. My girl's back. Yes! 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 I have the great joy and honor of being the kids pastor here at Access Church and I have a family picture up here. We'll put it up and there it is. There we go. This is my beautiful family. My husband, Nate, my four kids. Um, my daughter got baptized last time we did baptisms. Y'all, if you are ready to take your next step with Jesus, sign up for baptism. You can find out more at access.tv slash info. But I love my family and I love being the kids pastor here at Access Church. It's me in a nutshell. And in Access Kids, we say that Access Kids is a place where every kid is seen, known, and loved. And y'all, those kids kept coming during the service. I was Peeking from backstage, and I want you to know that I think your children are beautiful. They're brilliant, they're bright. They might annoy you, but I love them. Bring them to church. I think they're wonderful. They're image bearers. They're created in God's image. And Access Kids really is a place where we see them, we know them, we love them. And if you serve on the Access Kids team, where are my people at? Stand up for a second. We're just honoring everyone that works with kids. You guys cheer for these heroes? Every smile, every postcard written every Band-Aid for a skin knee, every prayer, right? Every prayer request, every time a goldfish dies and they tell their small group leader, y'all, these things matter to us because they matter to kids. And I just love, love, love my family. I love serving with this incredible team. And today I'm actually gonna talk a little bit, the irony, the kids pastor talking about kids. I'm gonna talk about the wonder of children and how they see the world. So I don't know if you've been around the last few years, but things have been a little rocky for some of us more so than others. But it's been, it's been dark and it's been stressful. It's been a little confusing, right? Some of us have lost jobs and lost friends and lost family. Some of us have just had a really hard time wrestling through our faith. Some of us have had horrible crushing injuries. That's me, right? It's been a rough, rough season. But here's what I know. If you've had the joy of doing life, with a child, you'll see that a child sees things in a different kind of way. A child sees things with wide, I'd wonder. Um, It was the new year, I was so excited, right? We were all like chanting, the past few years are behind us, it's a new year. Well, the first day, it was my time to come back to my office to the job that I love. We had a great Christmas break with my family, but I'm walking out my front door, I have my hot tea in my hand, I have my lunchbox. I said, I love your kids, but kids are hard. So I was like, bye to my kids. I was ready to go back to work. And we're renovating this 100 year old house. And long story short, some of the things we pulled out of our house completely crushed my right foot. I didn't even make it to my car. I didn't make it to my office. I used my like Hulk mom strength, lifted 600 pounds. Be proud, 600 pounds. (laughs) I lifted these two old radiators that you used to use to heat your house. They fell on my foot, crushed my foot, broke my foot. First day back to work, first week of January and I was having a really hard time. Physically, yes, I was having a hard time, but more than that, I was down in the dumps. If you're a good friend of mine, you know I like to reference the old Lion King song, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. It's my depths of despair song. All kidding aside, I was like powering through at first, I was doing okay, and then I was just not okay anymore. Maybe you can relate, maybe your foot didn't get crushed, but maybe these last few years you have felt crushed, you have felt hurt. have felt wounded and i just couldn't find god in some of it if i'm honest i was so heartbroken and so sad and all these exciting things were happening here at work and my doctor's orders were that i literally just had to sit at home with my foot up i could not walk for three months i could not drive i missed so many of my kids school activities that hurts when you're a mom right it hurts and i just had fomo i was missing out and i was so sad and in the midst of all that, my six-year-old son, he drew me a million pictures every single day. I saw little Augie Doggie up here. Looked like he just woke up maybe, so shout out to him. Um, he's so cute. Um, we can't have favorite children, but obviously, if you have a baby in your family, enough said. Um, and yes, he is a baby for the haters that say a six-year-old's not a baby. he's my baby forever, Liz Burns. Thank you. Um, but Augie came to me. While I'm really, I mean, you guys, I was struggling. If if you're close to me, you know I was not in a good headspace. I was really, really sad. It was really heavy. It was really hard for me. And he said, Mommy, he crawled up in bed really carefully. One day he even wrapped his foot to look like me. He said, this is the best. And I just wanted to throw him out of my bedroom. He said, this is the best. Now we have more time, me and you. And I thought, wow, this is the wide-eyed wonder of a child. A child, they can see they can see light and hope. They can see all of the good when everything is wrong. And that's why I love kids. It's why I love my family. It's why I love kids' ministry. I'm reminded of another story when our second son, or our first son, was a preschooler. And he ran into the house, and he's like, come see. Awesome. 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 And I was like, wow, look, I've trained him to see the good and the beautiful in the world. Look, we're going to go see some, you know, some amazing sunset or some amazing creature. And he just kept screaming, awesome, come see before awesome goes. Um, And I have a picture of what he shared. If we can put that picture up. It was a possum. Ezra at that time could not say the possum sound. So he was trying to alert me to the fact that he saw a possum. To this day, we still call them awesomes. But isn't it just like a child? He was so excited about this, no offense, but ugly creature. He just thought it was the coolest thing that he saw in awesome outside. And I have to ask, you can make the possum disappear. We don't want to look at that all morning. Or maybe we do. You guys vote. I don't know. Um, I have to ask, when was the last time you were odd? When was the last time that you slowed down enough to see beauty? You see, kids don't even know that they do this. This is their nature. They're just so close to God. They're not cynical yet. Life hasn't hurt them like it's hurt us yet. And no matter what is going on, they can see the good and the beautiful. I was watching even as they like march off the stage, second service is gonna be really funny cause there's a lot of them. And you know, we're like, okay guys, come on. And they're just in their moment. Hi mom. Hi, Dad. And it's, we laugh, right? Or if you're honest, like me, I'll be real honest, I get frustrated. I want to hurry past the moment because I have stuff to do. I want to hurry past what's in front of me because we got to do the to do list today. I want to hurry past and rush. But kids know that slow living creates space to see the good and beautiful hand of God. You know, to a preschooler, it might be a possum. But to me, it's the smile of my children, right? But what we need to learn is that hurry hardens our hearts and it hurts our souls. So while I'd like to tell really embarrassing and funny stories of my children for the rest of the hour, they would love that. I don't know if they're in here today. Um, We can do that out for coffee afterwards. Just love to embarrass them. But I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to talk about how Jesus views children and, and what Jesus himself said about children. So if we could have our verses up on the screen. Jesus and Matthew said, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It moves me. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Unless we change and become like a child. You know what's crazy about this is right before this passage of scripture, Jesus had told his disciples of his coming death. He was talking about what was about to happen to him. And still, his closest friends, all that they could talk about was their advancement while Jesus spoke of his abasement. And how much in life do we do this? Our eyes are so turned to ourselves, to our ambitions, to wanting to be great, to wanting to be liked, to wanting to have more, to wanting to be powerful, that we don't even see the world around us and we don't even see the God that loves us. Another translation says it like this. At that time, the disciples came to him to ask Jesus, who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking, wow, and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, You will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in kingdoms, in heaven's kingdom realm. So today, children, I want to talk about children. And just a quick note for the parents in the room. What would happen if we viewed our children like Jesus viewed our children? I am the chief of sinners, I get irritated, I get short, I get frustrated. To the parents, to the teachers, the grandparents, anyone who interacts with a child, what if you looked at them and said, they are an image bearer. They matter to God, so they matter to me. That's what we do here at Access Kids. They are not, you know, potential waiting to happen. They are full of God's goodness and glory right now. And Jesus is telling his closest friends, if you wanna be great, you have to be small. If you wanna be great, be like this innocent, humble child. Right? And, and it never changes. People have wanted to be great forever. Since the beginning of time, there's been this battle for greatness. Jesus' closest friends, they heard Jesus talking about a kingdom and you know their question is valid. How do I be great in this kingdom? I can relate. When I got hired here at Access, I wanted to do my best. I wanted to bring my best foot forward. I didn't want to let the team down. In my home with my family, I want to honor my husband. I want to do good by my kids. So while I don't think it's wrong to want to be great, I think we need to make sure sure that as followers of Jesus we are equating greatness with the right things. Jesus says you must become humble, you must become small, you must become like A child so if it's okay with you I'll take the next few minutes to talk about things that I think kids are just really naturally good at I think that we can take a note from all of our friends I mean honestly I think I could hand a mic to some of these kids and access kids and they could teach this message better than me they have so much to offer so much to gain they're so open and want to know God in a real way so how can we become like a child I think that we need to be teachable if you have your notes, you can write this down. But a child has no problem at all asking for help, right? If a kid doesn't know how to do something, they don't build this big case. They don't feel shame. They don't beat themselves up like I do when I have to ask for help, right? When a child needs help, they simply, simply ask. And I think we can learn from that. We can become teachable. I love that in this moment when Jesus called a child to him, a child simply obeyed. Um, I think that lots of times we say that children are horrible and they're bad and they're awful. And yes, we all have a sin nature, but this child obeyed. And I love, too, what that says about Jesus, that when a child was called to him, a child came. You know, kids have great intuition, As a mom, my kids have had seasons where they felt like, I don't want to be close to that coach, or I just have a weird feeling. Mom, I'm always going to honor their intuition, right? Kids kids are close to the heart of God. They have something to offer. They have something to say. But I love Jesus so much because he called a child and a child came. It says so much about his nature, about this kingdom in which we're all invited to be a part of. But children are teachable. Um, I'm currently homeschooling a few of our kids. We've homeschooled for, I think, going on 12 years. Some parts or all of our children on and off through those years. My, my son is learning how to read. If he doesn't know a word, he doesn't beat himself up. He doesn't run and hide. He, doesn't, he simply brings the book and says, Mom, what does this say, right? And I think oftentimes we celebrate being the right one more than we celebrate being the humble, teachable one. We celebrate having the loudest, biggest opinion, right? On social media, we want all the likes. We want all the shares and follows. We want to share all of our hot takes. We don't want to be taught. We want to educate. But Jesus is inviting us to a new way of being and a new way of thinking. He's saying, be teachable, In Proverbs 18, we read, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his own opinion. Guilty, right? A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Does that not describe so much of our world right now? There's so many opinions flying and educating, and we're telling everyone what's wrong and what's right, but meanwhile, we won't be quiet and be taught I encourage you, if church is not a regular priority for you, come here weekly, regularly. Sit under our amazing pastor and our staff and be taught in the word of God. Be teachable like a child. This is one way that we can enter heaven's kingdom realm. Another way that we can become more like children is we can be dependent Somewhere along the way, we have romanticized independence. And maybe you're like me, and that comes from a very honest place. Maybe you were forced to be independent when you were younger, right? Maybe you had to take care of yourself. But when you know Jesus, you are invited to step into a relationship with him in which Jesus wants nothing more than for you to lean on him. If you've ever seen a baby be born, you've witnessed this newborn baby. The doctor puts it on the mother's chest, and the baby immediately knows how to find nourishment. That child knows it's dependent on its mother. It's God's beautiful, incredible design. As a mom, I know every single night I have different words of affirmation and different prayers and even some rock, paper, scissors action that I have to do with my kids. Little competitions, right? They know they come to me so they can feel safe and secure to go to bed. Self-sufficiency is not all it's cracked up to be. We were made to depend on a good God. I told you I crushed my foot and I have four kids. Some of are homeschooled, they all play one trillion sports and I could not drive. And my husband is one husband, you know, like that's how we, he's just himself. So he can't drive to four places at once. But I refused because I am still learning how to be dependent. I refused to ask for help. And it wasn't until Pastor Liz Burns said, no, we're bringing you meals. And I was like, no, you're not. And then I was like, actually... I tried to cook, but I was on crutches, and I had no hands. So I'm like, okay, I'll take the meals. Thanks, right? Be humble. I had to be humble. I had to be teachable. I had to be dependent. But so many of you brought me meals. So many of my close friends just showed up at my house. I had to be cared for like a child in many ways. I couldn't do anything for myself. And what I thought was the very worst three months of my life actually turned out to be the best because I learned again how to depend on God, how to depend on my community. And if I can just say, this is why access groups are so, so important. You were not created to live life alone. If you sit in this church and you say, oh, well, I just, there's nowhere for me. I, I don't feel seen. I'm telling you, if you're not in a group, that's how to get plugged in. Get in a group, get on a team. Let people carry Your burdens. And not only do we need to lean on each other like I had to lean on my incredible friends, they really had to bust the door down because I am still not like a child in a lot of ways, but I'm so grateful that I was forced to depend on them. We are invited to a life of dependence on Christ. Somewhere along the way in our Christian journeys, it becomes the us show. Instead of resting and depending, we start striving and trying to to excel at all of the wrong things. And then we pat ourselves on the back and say, look what I built, look what I did. I am the greatest, I am the best. But we were never meant to do that. In fact, in the book of John, we read, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. That flies in the face of all of my self-sufficiency. For so long I've had to be self-sufficient, right? And I hear you if that's you. You don't know how to depend. Neither do I. Still, I still don't know how to be dependent. But Jesus reminds us in those verses that apart from him, we can do nothing nothing. And whatever it is that I think I'm producing is worthless if he's not in it. If I'm not attached to him, if I'm not abiding in him, and I love the word abide in that passage. You can put this, that verse back on the screen, please. I love the word abide. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he that bears much fruit. That word abide, it could mean to stay, to rest, to make your home in Jesus. And today's pace that we all run, and again, I'm the guiltiest of all. Who has time to stay with Jesus? Who has time to rest in Jesus? Who has time to make their home in Christ? Anybody who wants to enter heaven's kingdom realm, anyone who wants to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must adopt the pace of staying, of abiding, of making our home in Jesus. What an invitation. This is our humble king. He wants to know us. He wants to be known by us. We're invited to make our home in him. Another way that you can become like a child is to be humble. And all of these words, they're really interchangeable, right? Teachable, dependent, humble. I love that in Matthew 11 we read this. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's another note to being dependent, right? Come to me. Jesus says, Come to me, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you can leave this right here for me, friends. You know, here in the New Testament, Jesus sets his own terms in describing himself. Jesus could have said anything. He could have said, I am powerful and magnificent, and that would have been true. Jesus could have said, I am holy and righteous, and that could have been true. He could have said, I am the king of everything. You must bow to me. And we should have bowed, right? But when Jesus pulls back the layers and describes himself, he sets the terms in his own words. Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. When the disciples were talking about and griping about and arguing about who and how they could be the greatest In the kingdom of heaven, Jesus could have stepped forward and said, be like me. So much of our current culture, that's us, right? You want to be successful? Be like me. You want to be a good mom? Be like me. You want to be a good pastor? Be like me. It's not the way of Jesus. Jesus described himself as gentle and humble in heart. When asked who was the greatest, Jesus brought forth a small Child and said, This is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, how do we become humble? This is going to sound really silly for you, but again, if you're a close friend, you know that sometimes I literally have to go outside and look up. So much of my job is spent inside, right? I'm on my computer, I'm writing lots of content. I'm studying, I'm praying, all amazing things. But in that little shell of my own world, I can become really great in my own eyes. You know, in my echo chamber on social media when everyone's like, oh, yes, girl, say that. Right? I'm like, pat on my back. Look at me go. I'm amazing. And sometimes I really just need to be humbled, and I've learned that we can, we can take the invitation to humble ourselves or we will be humbled. And it's happened both ways for me many of times, and I would much rather choose to, to hum, humble myself. So sometimes I go outside and I look up and I'm reminded that I am small And I don't mean that as a negative thing. It is the most freeing thing in the world to remember that I am not the king or queen of the universe. That I've been chosen and loved by God. That in all of this whole sphere of the world, somehow I heard his call, right? And I stand in awe of who he is. The other day we saw a double rainbow and taught our kids the really funny song that was on YouTube a few years ago. If you know what, you can sing it in the lobby together late, later. But when we saw that rainbow, I watched my kids' faces and they were just in awe. They remembered that the world does not rest on their shoulders, that they can cast their cares on the Lord, that he is good and he is God and he is for them and he is good and he is God and he is for you today. Just simply humble yourself. Be like a small child. I love watching some of my Access kids friends come on because you could tell who's really shy, right? They're like, and then you could tell the kids that are like, yes, right? We got to be a little bit more like both of those kids. Live in the moment, but be humble. Be content in your space in the world. Celebrate the fact that God is so much bigger than you with the wide-eyed wonder of a child. Uh, The next way we can be more like a child is to simply live in awe. And I just talked about that, that sometimes I have to humble myself. I have to remember that the whole world is not riding on me. I have to literally go outside and look up and remember that I'm small, but when I look up something else happens, I see the beauty of God's creation, and it changes me. Um, Our family, were big hikers. We love to be outdoors. Um, Another reason being indoors with a broken foot was so devastating to me. But we love to hike. And what could take, what should take an hour with just my husband and I sometimes can literally take four hours with our kids, right? And if you, maybe hiking's not your thing, but if you've ever walked with a child, you know what I mean? You'll be on your way, doing your errands, getting stuff done, and then your kid is just like down here for an hour. And I'm like, Augie, what are you looking at? He's like, it's a worm. And I'm like, first of all, gross, because I do love creation, but I don't love worms. But I love that he lives in awe of the possum or the worm or the rainbows in the sky. God's creation is on display, not so that we can live our life void of it, but so that we can see it and praise him. Get outside, friends. Schedule time in this new school year with your family or with yourself to turn all of your electronics off and go find Jesus outside He is beautiful. His creation speaks volumes of his heart for us in Psalm 19 we read the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of His hands. That was my whole verse of the year one year. I don't know if you do words of the year or verses of the year, but that was my verse. That the sky just tells us who Jesus is. The Passion Translation says it like this God's splendor is a tale that is told, written in the stars. Space itself speaks his story through the marvels of the heavens. I love that. His truth is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, showing his skill in creation's craftsmanship. I love that. The sky tells the story of God. One time, my family, we were hiking in North Carolina. This was years ago. And we just so happened to be there in the mountains at the right time. And there was this meteor shower happening. Well, we're from Florida. We don't have the right clothes. And it's wintertime. But we don't care. We bundle up with all of the the Florida flip-flops and layers that we have, and we went and we sat on the back of our car on the top of this mountain, and we just saw stars, just shooting stars for hours and hours and hours and hours. And maybe you're like, that's not for me. I don't like to be outside. That's fine. But the Bible just told us that his truth is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, that moment, shivering, freezing, very physically uncomfortable, but watching the awe of God, the creation, right? The creator's creation on display. It marked my children forever. It sh- something in them shifted when I said to them, guys, the same God that made that made you in his image, and he loves you and he wants to know you that changed them forever. They've never been the same. Um, a few weeks ago, this photo of from a telescope, all of us were sharing this. If you shared this on social media, raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. We were blown away. And while I wish I was smart enough to tell you what is happening here, I am not, but we can call in some of my Access Kids friends because they were pumped. So thank you for showing your kids. But this is actual footage from space of stars being born when were you last in awe with the wide-eyed wonder of a child and you could leave this here friends if this doesn't move you like check for your heartbeat the same God who is still birthing stars loves you sees you knows you and wants to be known by you. So maybe nature and stars and skies and hiking, maybe that's not your thing, right? But I like to use the word in our house, ordinary holy with my kids. Not everything's going to be great and huge and epic and in space, right? Not everything's gonna be this big. But when were you last in awe over the freckles on your son's nose? When did you live slow enough to see the crease in your daughter's smile when she laughs? You see, these are all gifts from a really good God, and I'm afraid that if we live fast, we will miss it and we will miss him. When were you lost in awe over the fact that you're here at this place for such a time as this so that God can remind you that you lived through what you didn't think you would live through? When were you last in awe that he's protected you and saved you and walked with you and that he loves you? It changes everything when we live in awe. It changes everything. I like to tell my kids that attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. So what they give their eyes to, what they give their attention to, what I give my eyes and my attention to, my heart is going to be devoted to that thing. So if it's my hot takes and my likes and my TikTok, right, and all of these things, all of these trappings of the world, if it's being the best and the greatest for all of the wrong reasons, if that's where all my attention is, my devotion is going to go to myself. And that is a horrible place to be because we will always disappoint ourselves. I will never be smart enough, bright enough, well-spoken enough, well-dressed enough, rich enough, right? If all of my attention is on me, all of my devotion is on me, and now I've made an idol of me. But if we put our attention on God and the gifts that he's graciously given, it will change us for. Ever. And the last way that I think that we can be more like children that I want to invite all of us to take part in is I want all of us to trade our cynicism for certainty in a good God. And you might be saying, What? Cynicism? You guys, we're so cynical. We see somebody else succeed and we're like, Well, that must be nice. That's because da 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 da, right? Or we see something good happen and we think, oh, that church really didn't do good. You know, they have all these problems. In the back. And, we, and we just are so cynical. We can't celebrate the good and the beautiful because we're so cynical. But I'd like to say that the opposite of cynicism is hope. And kids are hopeful Eternal. I mean, I can think of a million stories. It's pouring down rain a few months ago, pouring down rain, and it was my son's championship baseball game. It's already been canceled, it's not happening. There are mud puddles in the baseball field. And he's like, it it might dry up, (laughs) right? And we sort of laugh at that. And while that is naive and innocent, I love that kids are not cynical, they are hopeful. If we want to enter into God's kingdom, we need to become like a child. We need to trade our cynicism for hope. And maybe you're like me, and you say, that's all very nice, but you don't know the life that I lived. And I think that lots of times our friends out there think that whoever's on this stage just has it really easy. Well, friends, I have lived lots of hard and painful things, and they have made me very cynical. They have made me lose my hope. But that's when I'm on the altar of my own worship. When I look back and and instead of seeing God's goodness, I can only point out what's wrong, right? But when I look back at my life and I see the ways that I was wronged and hurt and abandoned and unwanted, God never left me. So I can either give my attention to all that went wrong or I can give my attention to all that goes right, that there is a God who loves me that's called me, that wants to know me. And it's not just me, that same God invites you to see him, to see him, to know him, to love him. The greatest miracle of all of this is that Jesus wants to be known by us. It is very hard to lay down my cynicism because I'm afraid that I'm going to be hurt again. I'm afraid that I'm going to be disappointed again. But there is one who has never hurt or disappointed me, and his name is Jesus. Wide-eyed wonder. I read this quote in a book years ago, and it changed me forever, and I'm going to read it to you today. The cynics, they can only speak of the dark, of the obvious. And this is not hard for all its supposed sophistication It's cynicism that's simplistic. In a fallen world, how profound is it to see the cracks? But the sages and the prophets, the disciples and the revolutionaries, they are the ones up on the ramparts, pointing to the dawn of a new kingdom coming, pointing to the light that breaks through all things broken, pointing to redemption, always rising into a blazing God who never sleeps. And I can't help but see images of kids at the playground, right? They're like, church. They see the good. They see the joy. They see the hope, even in the worst times. So today, I invite all of us to trade our cynicism for hope, to be the ones that are up pointing to a kingdom where every tear will be wiped, where there will be no more sadness, no more death, no more brokenness. It's a kingdom we're all invited to. And if it's okay with you, I am going to pray for you this morning. And there's two groups of people that I want to pray for. So if you'll bow your heads. Maybe you're in this room and you know Jesus and you love Jesus. But you have lost your awe and wonder. And life is just hard. I want to pray for you. If you'll just raise your hand in this room. Thank you so much. And there's another group of people that I want to pray for. Maybe you're like, yeah, I'm cynical because things have been horrible. Friend, I hear you and I trust you, but I want to invite you to know the God who wants to know you, who wants to reframe everything that's happened to you that's gone wrong. He wants to He wants to commune with you. He wants you to abide in him. He wants you to cast your burdens on him. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to come like a child. And he wants to love you like a good, good father. So if you'd like to start your relationship with Jesus, please just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Thank you so much. We're gonna pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're a good God. For my friends that raised their hands, that said they just want to awe and wonder. God, I pray that you'll answer them, that they'll see you today in the smallest of details and in the largeness of the sky. God, that you'll renew their joy And God, for my friends who want to start a relationship with Jesus today, we celebrate. We say, God, we need you. We know that we have sinned. We know that we've fallen short. We know that we've placed ourselves on the idol. We've made ourselves the idol of our own worship. But God, we want to worship you. We want to abide with you. So today we say, here's our life, God. Have your way. Thank you, guys.